0: uh, chapter 8, which I consider one of the greatest chapters, not only in Romans, but in the whole Word of God. So far we've seen that uh, in regards to believers, in regards to uh, save people, uh, in verse 1 it says, there is therefore now to- no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So we have found out that uh, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, uh, all condemnation is taken away. Uh, the word condemnation could be uh, could be uh, uh, the word used as the word judgment. There's, you could say, there's no, there is therefore now no judgment to them who are in Christ Jesus. We'll never be judged as far as whether we will uh, go to heaven or not. Uh, one judgment has already passed for us, and that is the judgment at the cross. God the Father judged us in God the Son at the cross. When we believe on God the Son by faith, that confirms uh, the fact that uh, we are no longer condemned uh, by uh, by our sin that we were born with. Uh, We are all sinners by nature, but once we repent of our sins and receive Christ, uh, we're no longer condemned. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. I don't have to worry about uh, a judgment before God to find out whether I'm going to heaven or not, or find out whether I've been condemned or not, because God has said in Romans 8, 1, that there is now. Well, why did the Holy Spirit put in there now? Because he wants us to know the the very second that you receive Christ as your Savior, your condemnation is gone. All right? There is, it's for certain, therefore now, not when you get to heaven, but right now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Key uh, to understanding the verse is, in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? You are if you have been uh, saved. If uh, uh, the Holy Spirit has placed you into the body of Christ, you are in Christ Jesus. Then he goes ahead and uh, talks about in chapter 8 the conflict between the spirit and the flesh. Uh, we have two natures. A believer does. An unbeliever has one nature. It's a fallen nature. We call it the Adamic nature, and therefore he has no conflict with uh, the Holy Spirit in him uh, and his flesh. Uh, but the believer does, because when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive a new nature, but we retain the old nature, and uh, so there's been a there is a conflict between the new nature which is uh, symbolized as the spirit and the old nature symbolized as the flesh. And that conflict will continue until uh, this body dies. And, uh, I have experienced that conflict now for, uh, 60 years, so I know for certain that there is a conflict. And the one that you give the most attention to will be the winner of the conflict, will, will dominate in your life. You give more attention to spiritual things, then you will live in the spirit the Spirit will dominate. If you give more attention to fleshly things, things of this world, then uh, fleshly things will dominate in your life. The unbeliever doesn't have that option. Only believers have that option to either uh, walk or live in the Spirit or in the flesh. Now, uh, we uh, then we took a look at how that Uh, every believer has been adopted into the family of God and not only are we adopted into the family of God but we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ Uh, we will receive everything that Jesus receives according to the Bible the Bible says if we're children then we're heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ verse 17 if so be that we suffer with him we may be also glorified together well you're not going to suffer for something you don't believe in, And uh, if you are willing to suffer for the cause of Christ, then you will receive the same inheritance that he receives. I know, I know it doesn't sound logical, but it's all because of our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we get to verse 18, uh, it uh, it really gets interesting, and I think you will appreciate it. Verse 18 says in Romans 8, Paul says, for I reckon. Uh, You know, that's a word uh, we don't use very much. Uh, Seems like the old Western characters used reckon a lot. And sometimes still in the South, I suppose they still use the word, well, I reckon I will, you know. But um, reckoning here uh, means that you you are thinking, you are considering. For I consider that the suffering of this present time, and we do suffer in this life, no question about it. We suffer uh, mentally, emotionally, and physically. But he says, I reckon or consider that the suffering of this present time, sufferings, plural, of this present time are not worthy. Now watch this. Are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So, what is Paul saying? And you know he was no stranger to suffering. The Apostle Paul suffered outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. He probably suffered as much as any human being uh, that's ever suffered. And yet he said, it's not even in the same ballpark. It's not even worth considering the suffering that we go through in this life is just, it pales in comparison to the glory uh, that shall be revealed in us. Now, what glory is that? Well, that's speaking of the glorified body, the resurrected body that we will receive when Jesus returns uh, to planet earth. And uh, that's one reason we ought to look forward to the coming of Christ, because Uh, We will put away this old mortal body and God will give us an immortal body, Uh, this old body of suffering and pain and and whatever. We'll never have to uh, go to a hospital again or, or go to a dentist again or anything like that. But we will receive a supernatural glorified body like the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So Paul is simply saying, you know, there's no comparison between the troubles we have in this life and the glory we're going to have when Jesus returns. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation, you know what expectation is, you expect something, all right? It says, the earnest expectation uh, of the creature, and creature there is referring to creation, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, what is implied there is that all of creation is suffering too. You see, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, uh, God put a curse upon the ground and, uh, he put a curse upon all living creatures, animal, plants, and human beings. And uh, therefore, all of creation, everything, all matter, all that God created, um, they're earnestly waiting in expectation of the creature, our creation, waiteth for the manifestation. Now what's the manifestation? Well, that's simply uh, when the sons of God are revealed in our glorified bodies. The manifestation of the sons of God. Speaking of every believer, uh, when we get our glorified bodies, when uh, the Lord Jesus returns in the rapture, uh, that will be the revealing of our... Uh, glorified body, and we are not only going to be set free from the suffering and trials and troubles that's in this world, but all of creation is. You might say this, we're going to receive a resurrection, and so is all of creation. That's why they're earnestly expecting the manifestation or the revelation of the sons of God. Verse 20, For the creature, or creation, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Well, you know, um, here creation, uh, uh, you know, creation, you might say, paid the price uh, for the disobedience of Adam and Eve. Uh, Not only were Adam and Eve and all of humanity cursed, uh, and the ultimate curse was to physically die because God had told them, if you take of that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. But not only did they they die physically, but it meant that they would die spiritually. And, of course, they did. But uh, the Bible says here uh, that, um, uh, you know, the creature creation was made subject to vanity or subject to to uh problems and and difficulties um, but but God has something special waiting for us uh if we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and goes on to explain a little bit more verse twenty and twenty one uh, in verse twenty one because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Well, all of that is simply saying this. When uh, the uh, saints of God receive their glorified bodies, we will uh we will receive a resurrected body, but all of creation will be resurrected. the curse will be lifted on all of creation as it is lifted up on all believing humanity humanity. Now unbelievers don't have this. The uh, everything that's being talked about here in uh, chapter eight has to do with believers with with the children of God. If you've not repented of your sin and received Christ as your savior, you don't have these promises. These are for God's children only, those who have been born again, those who have repented of their sin and received Christ, and Him alone for their salvation. So he goes on to say here that the creature, uh, the, the creature, uh, the, uh, the are the creation. Speaking of all creatures, of course, as well, all of creation, uh, all matter that God has created, uh, according to the Bible here, shall be delivered. From their bondage. So not only are we in bondage to death and to sin when we come into this world, but all of creation is as well. Animals die. Plants die. Uh, You know, it's just uh, all of creation has been affected by the disobedience of one, and that was Adam, of course. Well, uh, verse 22 is a great verse. Uh, It says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Now, uh, my wife and I have four children, and I went into the delivery room when all of our children were born, uh, and I can tell you, uh, I wouldn't have traded places with her because uh, it's really quite painful for a woman to have a child, and that seems to be the comparison here, just like a woman uh, travails in childbirth and and goes through the pain of of childbirth, uh, the whole creation is travailing in pain until uh, until together until now. Which means that, from the time of uh, uh, of Adam up until now, all creation has been suffering uh, in pain. you know that 's true that 's why we have you know so much suffering in the world in the animal kingdom, of course, in humanity uh, there 's nothing but suffering and, and all kinds of cataclysmic things that go on in the world typhoons uh, hurricanes. Um, you know, all kinds of awful tragedies and accidents, all these are a result of sin. The wages of sin is death. And so all sickness and all these uh, things that trouble us in this world uh, are because of sin, and it causes all of creation, the whole creation groaneth. And travaileth in pain together until now. So, all of creation is paying the price for Adam uh, disobeying God. Uh, then it goes on to say, and not only they, all of creation, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. Now, uh, he's talking about believers here. And he says, not only they, all of creation, uh, groans and travails, but uh, ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. What does that mean? It means that we, when we trusted Christ as our savior, God gave us the first fruits of the spirit. We'll get the main, you might say the main harvest is yet to come. That's what he's referring to when he says the, uh, the adoption, redemption of our body. So, uh, it's simply saying Paul is, through the Holy Spirit, is saying here that all of creation groans in travail, but so do we. You know, believers get sick just like unbelievers. Believers have disappointments and get depressed and go through troubles and trials just like unbelievers do. The difference is we have the first fruits of the Spirit. They don't because they've not received Christ as their Savior. But even though we are saved and on our way to heaven, and by the way, we have been spiritually adopted, We found that uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, where uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Uh, God adopted us into his family when we placed our faith and trust in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been spiritually adopted. We can never be unadopted. But this body uh, has not been officially adopted yet. Uh, Our son Tim and his wife Melissa have... Have uh, four children and they're all adopted. Uh, it was a process uh, through the adoption. Uh, you know, finally they had the adoptions finalized, each child, and taken on uh, the Reynolds name, and now they're legally and officially uh, adopted uh, into the family of Tim and Melissa Reynolds. Uh, but here, uh, Paul wants us to understand that yes, we've been spiritually adopted, we're joint heirs with Christ and all of that. But our bodies are still under the curse, all right? But the day is coming when we will be, well, if you want to call it, uh, you know, adopted in the sense that it's finalized, the final part uh, for the believer will be the resurrected body. That's the final payoff for trusting Christ as our Savior. That's what he means here when he says, waiting for the adoption, uh, the word adoption means placed as a son. Uh, the, uh, waiting for the adoption, we've already been spiritually adopted, but waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. The redemption of the body, the resurrected body, is the final, um, you might say, uh, uh, the, the final process of adoption into God's family. Then he says in verse 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, You know, we're used to saying, well, I hope I'll get to make it or or, I hope I'll go there or whatever. But, you know, that's uncertain. We're talking about a real hope, a confirmed hope. Okay, that's what he means here. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. You know, we've not seen the Savior but yet we hope to see him. The Bible talks about uh, the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we ought to be looking for. That's our blessed hope. Is that something that might happen? No, that's something that's going to happen. It's a sure hope is what he's talking about here. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what man seeth, why doth he yet also hope for? So our hope will be brought to reality uh, when we see Christ. Verse 25, but if we hope for that which we see not, you know, we look for him by faith. We believe in him by faith and we look for his return uh, by faith. We believe faith is nothing more than taking God at his word. God said he would return. We believe him. Christ said, it's expedient that I go away. And then he told in in, uh, John 14, uh, if I go away, I will come again. And of course, uh, he hasn't come yet. We have his promise that he will. So therefore, uh, we're hoping by faith. uh, And as far as we are concerned, as far as I am concerned, it's already a reality, even though it's not occurred. That's what faith really is. It's believing what God tells us. Well, verse twenty five but if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? So we ought to wait with patience. Uh, I know it 's been two thousand years, and you know the Bible talks about it in the book of Second uh, Peter how in the last days, there will come those who will say, Where is the promise of his coming' You know, since our fathers fell asleep, we've heard about the coming of Christ now for 2,000 years. He's not come yet. Well, one thing, it means he's closer to coming than he was 2,000 years ago. Uh, But the Bible says, God is not slack concerning his promises, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any, A-N-Y, any, should perish. Now, here's a great promise in verse uh, 26. In verse 26, Paul writes, Likewise the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, now please get this because you you're, you're going to like this. Likewise the spirit also the holy spirit helpeth our infirmities. Have you ever been sick? Have you ever been so sick you just couldn't pray? I have. Uh you know sometimes you can get almost depressed to the point that you just you know you're you're under such a heavy burden you you, you can't pray. Well that's an infirmity. All right? Likewise, the Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Well, we really don't know. You know, when we pray, uh, we assume that uh, that's what, you know, God wants us to have or or whatever. But only God knows. That's what the the Bible's teaching here. Uh, For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but, the Spirit does, but the Spirit itself uh, and it, it, it's not speaking of it as it some kind of uh, uh, ghost-like thing. It's speaking of uh, an actual person here. Himself maketh intercession for us. Well, you know, Jesus Christ makes intercession for us at the throne of God. That's what the Bible says. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's seated at the right hand of the God, uh, right hand of, uh, of the Father. But listen to this. The Holy Spirit that indwells every believer also talks to God for you. He intercedes for you, just like Jesus does, the Holy Spirit does. That's why uh, the Trinity is true uh you know in our lives god the father god the son and god the holy spirit are all involved so when we get so sick or when we get so depressed or we have such an infirmity that we can't really get out of prayer well the holy spirit that is in our heart that is in our being he'll pray for us now that's good news to me and uh Uh, You know, because there are times when you just can't pray, your spirit can't pray, but thank God the Holy Spirit that is in you can pray for you and he knows what you need Uh, better than you know. The Spirit himself maketh intercession, not might, but maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, uh, I know it's hard to uh, for us to understand that. How could the Holy Spirit groan? Well, the point is that He is going to plead our case. He is going to go before God the Father. Uh, and here's the way I believe prayer works. I can't prove it, but here's what I what I personally believe. I believe when we pray, the Holy Spirit that is in us. The Bible says, "What know ye not that this Holy Spirit, or that the Spirit of God, is in you? You are the temple of God." but when we pray we may verbalize or we may just you know say it in our in our in our minds what we want uh, from God or what we praise God for. When we do that I believe the Holy Spirit takes our prayer, communicates our prayer to God the Son who is seated at the right hand of the Father and God the Son communicates our prayer to God the Father and He makes the final decision whether to grant our request or not to re- uh, to grant our request. That's the way I believe, that, I believe that the whole Trinity is involved in our prayer lives and uh, uh, be that what, what it May uh, It may help you understand how prayer works uh, a little better. But, boy, the good news is uh, he groans and prays for us when we cannot pray for ourselves. And uh, uh, we thank God for that. Verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts, that's God, that's God the Holy Spirit, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God why because the Holy Spirit is God and so when he prays for you <laughs> you, you know, you say, well, I want some brother so-and-so to pray for me. He prays such a beautiful prayer. Well, nothing wrong with that, but let me tell you something. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit can pray for you a lot better than brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Uh, the Holy Spirit, when you, when you go to him and ask him to talk to God the Son and God the Father for you, uh, you can be assured that uh, the Bible says, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Your prayer will be... Be in the will of God. Now I know that's all mysterious, somewhat, but uh, yet it's kind of simple because the Holy Spirit in every believer uh, can talk to God the Son and God the Father for us, and it'll, it will be God's will. You know, we don't know God's will, but the Holy Spirit, being God, does know uh, God's will and I know it's a mystery I understand that the Godhead is a mystery how can God be one uh, person one God and yet in three persons how can three persons be one God I know mathematically it doesn't sound correct but the Bible teaches it and uh, uh, the Bible says the secret things belongs to the Lord and those things which he reveals to us belongs unto the children of men so there's some secret things we don't comprehend yet one day we will well, I'm going to save uh, uh, verses 28 to 39 because uh, when we look at these verses, we are going to be studying some of the, uh, the uh, most controversial scripture in the Word of God. Uh, we're going to be studying uh, this subject of uh, election, uh, the sovereignty of God, the free will of man. Uh, These things which have been discussed and uh, uh, there's a lot of controversy on both sides, Uh, I'm going to do my best to explain to you what I believe uh, predestination, election, these things mean. And and yet I won't be able to do it completely because I don't think any human being can. Again, s- the secret things belongeth unto the Lord. Those things we cannot understand or do not understand, that's God's business. I decided a long time ago, uh, I'll let God take care of his business, and uh, I'll take care of my business. Uh, God's business is to choose who he wants. My business is to choose him. We'll talk about that in our next session. God bless you.